1: Welcome to the latest edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz. The NBA draft early entry deadline, May 30th. Kind of know who's already in or out, but uh, the NBA draft, as you know, is being pushed back a month, July 29th. The official date for NCAA players to withdraw is July 7th, 10 days after the NBA draft combine, which will be June 22nd through the 27th at the Wintrust Arena on DePaul's... Well, not really. It's campus, but near to Paul. Overall, the official withdrawal date, though, is still 10 days prior to the draft on July 19th. So that's a little just dates for you to know. But on this edition of our podcast, I'll be joined by Richard Petino, new head coach in New Mexico, formerly of Minnesota. Richard, by the way, great on social media, very transparent, just tells it like it is. I think the media in Albuquerque, where I was a part of many moons ago, will love dealing with him. That's number one. Number two, he gets it. He wants to be in a basketball-centric place. You'll hear that. Uh, Loves the climate change from Minnesota to New Mexico. So, very interesting conversation with Richard. Uh, That's coming up. Craig Smith, the new head coach at Utah State. Excuse me. The former head coach at Utah State going to Utah. Doesn't have to move too far from Logan to Salt Lake City. He will join me. Uh, Interesting transition from the Mountain West Conference to the Pac-12. And then... Oral Roberts, Max Asmus, Kevin O'Banner. Now, A. Smith has declared for the draft. Didn't sign with an agent. He could be back. But it's very interesting that neither one went in the transfer portal. I thought for sure after they got to the Sweet 16, they'd both be gone, and they're not. Very interesting conversation with both those guys. They will tell you why. So, that's all coming up here in March Madness 365. Let's first get... To the new head coach at the University of Utah, Craig Smith. Um, Didn't have to move far from Logan to Salt Lake City. Uh, This seemed like a no brainer, but when you're at Utah State, you got to think well, wait a minute. We got to be better than Utah. We should be better than Utah. We're going to be proud Utah State. We're going to take down Utah. So, how do you flip that on yourself and say, wait, no, no, now I'm Utah. We're the Pac-12. We should be better than the Mountain West. We should
2: be better than Utah State. How do you shift that attitude? Well, first of all, Andy, thanks for having me on. And there's nothing like diving right in on the first (laughs) question. Um, You know, it, it was an amazing three years at Utah State and three of the best years of my life without a question on both a personal level and a professional level. And Logan, Utah, Cash Valley is an amazing place to live. You know, quite frankly, and I've said this many times, and I know how this can go with coaches, right? Oh, I'd only leave for this job or that job or a certain number of jobs. And quite frankly, there weren't a lot of jobs that that I would leave for. Uh, We had a rolling, a lot of really good players coming back to Utah State. But this was one of those. I mean, we, for so many reasons, you know, and Mark Harlan as the athletic director. was very, very impressed with him going through the process. Certainly the rich tradition of excellence at the University of Utah. In men's basketball, being a part of the Pac 12. I mean, one of the premier conferences in the country. And certainly it shows all five teams that made the NCAA tournament last year get to the Sweet 16 and beyond. And that's something that, you know, I want to be a part of. There's just so many great things. Salt Lake City is a fantastic city. And of course, this great state. We are so thrilled to be able to move on living in the state of Utah where the fans are so knowledgeable and absolutely love basketball. And so we're excited to be here. We've got a lot of work to do, but something we're really looking forward to.
1: All right. So, but, but are you buying my, my shift here? Because I, I know how it works when they're the perceived big boy. So I got to knock them down, but now it's completely flipped. This does not happen that often.
2: It doesn't happen very often where you go 90 minutes down the road. Right. But it is what it is. I mean, I, I think this state has such great basketball starting at the grassroots level and all the way up great coaches all the way through. But I mean, you look around the state in division one basketball and there's seven division one schools in this state and you can just name a school and they're good. Right. And, and we've struggled a little bit here recently, but you know, that's why we're here. And so I don't know. I mean, everybody looks at things differently and I certainly understand the question Everywhere we've been, our goal is to get to the NCAA tournament and win when we get there. And that's our goal. That's our expectation. We were able to make it to three straight at Utah State. Obviously, in year two, we weren't able to play, but we had won the Mountain West Conference tournament, beaten number five San Diego State. And the one thing we didn't do was win when we got there. And so I understand what you're saying. Our goals are to to be a, a, a national name, and we just need to be the best that we can be. And if we do that, We'll get our goal accomplished at the end of the day. All right.
1: So a week or two ago, I talked to your successor,
2: uh, Ryan Odom, and I
1: was glad that Ryan agreed with me that he didn't need to come in and use the culture word. Obviously, every coach (laughs) has a different way of doing things, but they didn't have to change things. I mean, you won. And there was nothing like that had to be fixed. You know, it just obviously takes on a little bit of a different personality because it's a different person.
2: How'd you do it? Well, we built our culture. <laughs> uh, well, by the way, are you glad to hear that he said that? I, I appreciate that. And, um, you know, I think that program's in a really, really good spot. We had, what, seven true freshmen on our team last year that made the NCAA tournament. And, you know, two true freshman point guards, a, another couple that were playing uh, a certain role. and They're going to be good. There's a couple that weren't playing that are very good players. But it was harder with covid some of those guys couldn't be there last summer and all the shutdowns. You know, I learned a long time. ago. I spent a full day with John Wooden when I was 32 years old, just got done with my first year being a head coach at Mayville State. And I said, what's the best piece of advice you can give a young coach like myself? And he just said, you have to be who you are. And there's so way, so many ways of being successful, right? You're very successful and you're going to do it your way, right? And there's so many great coaches out there uh, great entrepreneurs, great, whatever it might be, but you have to be who you are every day. And so for us at Utah state, obviously we were able to get some great players. I thought a big key that not a lot of people talked about early on, you know, I think a lot of our fans at that time felt like the world was caving in because we had a mass exodus of players. Um, there was a second team all league guy who was very, very talented When we lost him to a higher level, people thought, oh my gosh, this is going to be a disaster. And we lost like four or five other guys when that wasn't necessarily the trend like it is now. Now on average, what four and a half guys are leaving a program per year. And so that might've been the best thing that happened to us. We had some guys that really understood the game. Sam Merrill wasn't Sam Merrill at that time, but it was the perfect fit, our style and what we do. And then the things that he brought to the table, I'm not sure there was a better fit that way. We were able to go out and get a guy named Namish Keita. And then we just had a bunch of tough kids that knew how to play, that wanted to be great, that were gym rats. We recruited to that. Um, So maybe they weren't quite as talented, but they really fit our mantra and they really fit Logan, Utah. And that place has a tremendous home court advantage. Now, there weren't many people early on coming to those games, but we just, you could just feel that, Andy, almost game by game where we were winning. And I think it was a brand of basketball that's really exciting to watch. And so just moving the ball, sharing the ball, playing connected, I think it's an exciting style and an exciting brand that really resonates to Purists. Yeah,
1: there's no question, especially when Nevada came with Muscleman. Uh, those were some intense games. <laughs> yeah, we won't
2: get into the aftermath of all that, but that was, uh, you know, that it's so funny you bring that up because everybody remembers that game, right? right? I think they were 11th or 12th in the country, and of course, Coach Musselman, great coach. Obviously, what he's been able to do at Arkansas, and they were rolling. They were they were coming off a of Sweet 16, if I remember correctly. Yep. And our very first game at Utah State, in terms of league play we got clobbered. I mean, I think we ended up losing by like 28. I mean, it felt like more and, you know, their fans are just, it was a salad. They're just breathing down your neck and, you know, Utah state and, and Nevada have a long lasting tradition of kind of a rivalry back in the, whatever day it what was it the WAC or whatever it was. And it seemed like one of the two were always winning the league. And so we get pulverized. And I remember watching that film the next morning And I literally was like, we are so close. And I said the same thing to our guys in film the next day. And they're all looking at me like, we just got our butts run out of the gym by 30. And Muscleman, you know, when they had to leave to his car, he stopped by and he talked and I didn't really know Eric, but we talked for, I don't know, 25 minutes. It was like, we were best friends. And that's when I was like, man, we might be in trouble because if he felt like we were a threat, he went to did that. You know, but you fast forward two months later, our team just getting better and better. Beat New Mexico at the pit on a last second shot by Abel Porter. And those kind of moments can be defining moments for your team, right? And they can give you confidence that maybe you can't always describe or define, but you just feel that. All right, so I'm old enough to
1: remember, and I actually think it was back in the Big West with Nevada and Utah State, uh, maybe all the way back to the Big Sky. So I was there in the 90s the late great Rick Majerus Huntsman center was one of the toughest places to play in the country. It has been almost unfair to compare everything to that, to that national championship game in 98, but it's out there and that atmosphere, assuming we can be fully back, which I think we will be. What's it going to take to get that where the Huntsman center is what you're talking about, what you had Logan, but it is consistently in Salt Lake
2: city. We got to put a great brand on the floor. You know, everybody wants to compare to 1998, and we embrace that. Like, listen, my my second Final Four was in 1998. I was at both of those Final Four games. And I don't want to sound like uh, a little corny or cheesy, but listen, the beauty of being a college basketball coach or a college football coach or whatever is you are the coach, but you're also the GM, right? You get to be both. That was a, a bit of a blueprint for me as to how I wanted to build our teams and the way they played and and i think it's a multitude of things i think it's being connected with the community whether it's your players in your program your coaching staff and being out in front and being excited building relationships with the must which at utah state it was the herd i mean i spent a lot of hours with the herd but obviously winning you got to win i mean let's not be let's not kid ourselves but that being said i do think fans specifically in in the state of Utah, and we have such a great fan base, I do think they appreciate a certain style of play. And I stole this from Coach Miles. Gata, get after their butts, like he would say, but tipping and deflecting, the first on the floor, making every hustle play, I think our fans appreciate that, right? Getting up and down. We want to bring the running Utes back to the running Utes. Right. There's a, we have an amazing practice facility. And I don't know if you've been here, Andy. It's incredible. It's five years old. But on the south wall, we have the huge thing that says running Utes," And that was one of the first thing we told our guy, we want to play that style of play. I mean, I think it was like 35 years where Utah State hadn't scored 100 points. Maybe it wasn't 35, but it was a lot. 25 to 35. Our first two games, we scored over 100. We want to get up and down. But you have to have the personnel to do that too. And then creating that enthusiasm, you know, at Utah State, getting the student body back, the herd. So many fans have told me, and I've made my rounds downtown Salt Lake, meeting with former players, right? All that. But a lot of it comes back to obviously the brand of basketball, improving the talent. You got to be able to win at this level. But also, it's amazing how many people say when you ask them, what do we got to do to get our spirit and atmosphere back to where it needs to be that electricity that you just feel that you want to be a part of. And it's amazing how many people say we got to get our student body back Mm -hmm. in full force because like, I'm not old, you're not old, but it's part of the entertainment value as well. They come to watch the game and that brand, but then there's also the crazy fans that are showing up in speedos wearing a Spider-Man mask, right? Or uh, or, you know, you got Wild Bill doing his deal. And so you got to have all those things and it come together and it becomes the event that you can't miss. All right, last thing, Transfer Portal, everyone's using it. So to get what you're talking
1: about, what's this roster going to look like in year one?
2: Still to be determined. I'm really excited. I mean, we've had some guys leave and there's always going to be that, right? I alluded to that earlier with Utah State and, I mean, we've had guys leave going all over. I mean, Texas to Arizona to Illinois to Maryland and Utah State for that matter. Yes. So um, we've had a little bit of everything. You had one really good player turn pro in Europe. And so, but that's part of the course that that's how it works. Um, Especially now it's, it's amazing what over 1600 men's basketball players in the transfer portal, you do the math. That's four and a half on average per school, which is 35% of men's basketball rosters. I mean, that is reality to the game today. And so we got to deal with that. I love the guys that we brought in. Super excited. I think we have very good freshmen coming in. We still have three scholarships available. And I think we're really, really close to being a very good team. I, I do. I love our versatility right now. I think we got a lot of length. I think we have a lot of guys that can play in a lot of different spots, which is a bit of a a trademark of our rosters throughout the years where we've been. So I feel like we got to up our athleticism as a whole from last year. And I know, you know, coaches will say, we got to get guys that can shoot pass and dribble, but it's amazing how many teams aren't great at all three of those phases. My assistants get a little sick of me. I am very particular and picky (laughs) about who we bring into our program. So we are heavy on the skill side. We want guys that can make threes, but Yeah, I alluded earlier about the passing. I love guys that can pass the ball, make good decisions, because we do give our guys a lot of freedom to play. And with more freedom comes more responsibility. And so those things are at a premium for us. And then we got to be better defensively. We were not great defensively over the last couple of years at Utah. Our Utah state teams were top 10. On the defensive end, it certainly helps when you have a guy like Keda, you know, to really protect the rim. That makes a big difference. Um, But we have to improve on that end of the floor. And part of that will be getting bigger guards and just more physicality uh, up and down the lineup.
1: All right, Craig. You don't lack for enthusiasm. I appreciate that. You're just like me in that. You share the passion. And yes, at some point, I'd like to check out that
2: practice facility. Have not been to the Huntsman Center in quite some time. We'd love to have you here. Stop by for practice. And uh, thank you so much, Andy. Appreciate it. Andy Katz, that guy will rank his wife's dinners. He'll rank anything. And now it's time
1: for Katz Ranks. Latest edition of roster winners in the offseason. This is now week seven in my roster winners with the transfer portal, the early entry. By the way, May 30th is the early entry deadline to declare for the NBA draft. Pretty much we know everyone who has declared, but there's probably a couple of outliers still there. Then the withdrawal date, remember, again, is in July. It is July 19th, 10 days before the July 29th NBA draft. Normally, the draft has been in late June because the pandemic was in November. Now it's in July. We'll see if in 2022 it gets back to the regular schedule. So these are all official. Remember, I cannot do these until they are official. So some of these names that you would think would be on the list this week. Well, I will just tell you, credit to these schools that get these letters signed immediately. So push it out. A lot of the players that have made announcements have not officially signed with the school. Gives them an out. They still could pull out and not go to that school. So these are official over the last week, became official some a little bit before that. I want to get them on this list. So let's start with the Paul at number 10. Jalen Terry. Tony Subblefield, assistant at Oregon, recruited him to Oregon. Now he goes from Oregon to DePaul. At number nine, I've got Fresno State, Jamal Baker. He goes from Kentucky to Arizona to Fresno State. At Miami, Charlie Moore, fourth school. Cal, Kansas, DePaul, Miami. When Charlie Moore is on and not turning the ball over, he certainly can be a significant contributor at the point. Number seven, I like what Creighton did in high school recruiting. Arthur Kaluma, Being a top 50 player for the Blue Jays. So putting them on this list here in the top 10 for week seven of the offseason. And number six, how about NC State and Kevin Keats? A couple of transfers, Casey Morsell from Virginia and Greg Gant from Providence. Both of those players, I think, have scratched the surface for their potential. Let's see if Keats can maximize that at NC State. And number five, uh, this happened a little bit further back, but I wanted to, you know, in the last couple weeks, but want to get this recognized because it uh, fell through the cracks a little bit. Uh, St. John's, Montez Mathis, Rutgers to St. John's. Love this pickup, stays in the New York area. He is a perfect Steve Peichel and Mike Anderson player. I think he's going to a comparable coach there. Play hard, get the most out of him. I love this pickup. At number four, another great pickup within the SEC for Auburn. Desi Sills going from Arkansas to Auburn. Kind of surprised that Sills left Arkansas, but I love this pickup for Auburn. At number three, Michael Durr from South Florida to Indiana. So Indiana at number three. Hoosiers getting another big. They needed another big inside. At number two, Oklahoma State. This became official last week. Bryce Thompson. Kansas to Oklahoma State stays in the Big 12. And then number one, this happened right after we put last week's Week 6. This happened right after this. Severe Wheeler going from Georgia to Kentucky. Kentucky once again playing the high school recruiting, the transfer portal. They'll be back. Obviously, the other two big transfers they got were Kellen Grady, and Davidson, Oscar Sheway from West Virginia. Big time recruiting class. So Kentucky doing what it needs to do under John Calipari to get right back to the SEC. So there is your top 10 roster winners for week seven in the offseason. Joining me now here on March Madness, March Madness 365, Oral Roberts, Kevin O'Banner, and Max Acemas, two of the most exciting, entertaining, and impactful players in the NCAA tournament. So first, before we get to what you guys are planning and doing and all that, uh, I just want to go back To the unbelievable run to the Sweet 16, what it was like to knock off Ohio State and Florida on the way to playing Arkansas really well. Kevin, I'll start with you. As you reflect back basically a month or so past it, what do you remember most?
3: Uh, Just that we made history that, you know, our school was just all over the news and just how much of a big deal it was. And just to leave, you know, RU better than you found it? It was just a fantastic feeling.
4: Max, he hit it on the spot, um, you know, uh, something that we've dreamed of forever. And so um, just remember, you know, every part of it, um, you know, what it felt like winning those games and making it as far as we did. And, um, you know, we definitely made memories that we'll remember the rest of our lives. So, Kevin, you had 30 and 11 against Ohio State, 28 and 11
1: against Florida, end up with a double-double against Arkansas. Max, you had 29 against Ohio State, 26 against Florida, 25 against arkansas in that loss what was that like to know that the scout was focusing on the two of you
4: and yet you both were still able to produce like that i mean we've been dealing with that all year and so uh, we've seen a lot of different defenses down at us um but we always find ways around it um you know play within the offense and we put in a lot of work so um you know all the hard work paid off so max you decided to put your name in the nba draft uh the actual
1: deadline is may 30th Um, And you've got until July 7th to withdraw. So what
4: was your thinking in doing that? Uh, Really just uh, capitalizing on this opportunity. Um, You know, it's definitely always been a dream of mine to play at the highest level, and that is an NBA. And so I'm trying to get all the feedback that I can get um, to to help me make that best decision um, is what I'm looking forward to as well. So what do you need to hear before you make that
1: decision in terms of where you potentially could land? Ultimate goal is definitely to get into that first round. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Kevin, you decide at least not yet to do that.
3: Why? I'm um, just letting everything just play out for itself. Just letting all the, you know, all the cards, you know, play. You know, I still have a lot of options, and you know, of course, there's no rush. I'm just trying to work on getting better day by day, and everything else will play out for itself. So the one thing that
1: neither of you guys have done, and I want to qualify this, and you tell me if it could happen, but the natural thing is both you guys blow up in the tournament. You're at Oral Roberts. Uh, we're seeing this around the country. You know, oh, okay, so I had this great run. Why wouldn't I play up? Why wouldn't I go to a, a Power Five or something like that? And so far, neither one of you has done that. Why not, Kevin?
3: Um, and what's the purpose? You know, playing at a at the highest level, you know, and showing that we're able to compete with anybody. You know, I just feel like even being at old Roberts, that we proved, you know, our worth. And, you know, we played like 30 minutes a game, compared we going to... You know high majors you know, and what the circumstances are, so I like perceive myself
4: in this position, right, yeah, I mean, uh, you know the system we're in is is one that definitely favors us for sure um it's a good fit for us, and so um I mean this year we showed it i mean we we can play with anybody um you know the high majors, um you know everybody in the country, and so I think the coaching staff and um they do a great job of kind of scheduling games against you know high major opponents, even in the non conference and so um, it's not like we're not getting those opportunities to to, to prove ourselves, and so um, you know, it, it's a tough situation to leave.
1: Kevin, let me ask you this: Your head coach, Paul Mills. You know, a lot of coaches do this; they go on a run, they get to the Sweet Sixteen, they could go somewhere else. He didn't do that. What does that tell you about staying put?
3: Just like he has a lot of loyalty, you know, he knows where his foundation is, and you know, speaks character to who he is. And, you know that we have his back and vice versa so just be said, you know the man
1: that he is and max lastly if you come back you know i had you guys as a top 36 team for next season all things being equal i don't think i'm crazy to say that you know just because you had a good run in march i think you can duplicate that in the regular season what's your
4: take on what this team could look like if you're back max uh, i think the team could definitely be special Um, You know, we brought in some key pieces um, that'll help uh, with that. Of course, I think that's what was a big thing this year was just, uh, you know, we put in a lot of work all season and then that we were just an adverse team. um, And so we we fought through adversity. And so uh, we want to carry that same momentum in the next year um, and, and, you know, do even better things.
1: Max, best of luck in your decision process and going through the NBA draft process. Uh, If you're back, be a pleasure to cover you again. Next season, the two of you, and I think Oral Roberts can certainly have another special year. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. And joining me now on March Madness, March Madness 365, Richard Patino, the new head coach at the University of New Mexico. And uh, Richard, obviously, this is near and dear to my heart. Got married in Albuquerque, lived there for five years. So uh, I've been uh, following this program for a long time. Crazy, long, long time. That's where I got my start. So we've done a great job of following each other's careers and followed you, obviously, in the Big Ten for quite some time. So let's go back a little first. Like, why Albuquerque? Why New Mexico? Well, honestly,
0: you know, when the end was kind of near at Minnesota, I had a decision to make uh, because they could have, you know, they could have paid me for one more year and I could have sat and done nothing. Uh, I probably would have been divorced because my wife would have killed me if if I didn't work But honestly, you know, I wanted to be smart about what my next step was. And I really liked living in Minnesota, but Minnesota is in a really tough conference and kind of it's ranking in the pecking order of that league. It's not real high. I'm not saying you can't win there. And there's certainly things I could have done better. uh, And we did win, you know, some years. Um, But I just I wanted to be at a place that I believed is one of the best jobs in the league. And when New Mexico called, I believe it's a top two or three job in the league. And uh, the more and more research I did on it, it was a situation I wanted to be a part
1: of. And I feel like we can win and we can win big here. So, look, you got players at Minnesota. I would argue, and I'm not just trying to defend you, but I would just say, like, you had some bad breaks. I'm going to be the first to say it. And I'm not ashamed to say it. I mean, I I think you definitely had a team multiple times that could have been better Had you been healthy? That's the facts. That's truth. I mean, how'd you deal with that? That there were many times when you clearly could have been competing for the Big Ten title.
0: Yeah, I mean, I thought there was two teams for sure that were very, very talented um, that got decimated by injuries. And that's not to say after eight years, like there weren't things that we couldn't have done better. I certainly could have. But like you said, I mean, last year's team had five ranked wins and a lot of them were by double digits. And then all the injuries hit. Um, and then a couple of years prior to that, we had a top 15 team preseason and we got crushed with injuries again. But yeah, it was hard to deal with at the time. But I do believe, regardless of those injuries, there were things that I could have done better at. Um, and I also believe it'll even out. I really do. And uh, you know, I I think you create your own luck to a certain extent. And yes, we were hit with some bad injuries, but you know, that's part of the game. And you can't make excuses about it. You gotta Evaluate it, learn from it. I do believe I ended up at an awesome place. So I'm, I'm lucky and I'm grateful for that. You know, I don't think, you know, it's hard to find great basketball jobs in, in our profession. There's only 300 and something of these head jobs. There's probably only about 30 to 40 that are really good. And uh, I felt like I, I ended up at a great spot. So, you know, you can always say, what if? Um, hopefully it all evens out in the end. I'm still very, very young in this profession. So here you go.
1: I was there in the early 90s. And much to what you were saying, I'm coming out of Wisconsin. I'm looking, and I was fortunate, but I was looking for a job where the sport was essentially the pro team because that's how passionate I was about college basketball. I wanted to be, whether that's like a Providence, where I grew up in New England, like yourself, or a place like New Mexico. And in the 90s, there's no question, Albuquerque and New Mexico fans felt like this was their Indiana, and they bled that, you know that 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 Lobo red. And there's no question that if you can get it going there, they will come. And the pit, it's not exactly the same, but the way it's built and the way the sound can certainly reverberate in there. I mean, it's not Mackey, but it can be an incredible home court. And I don't know if you've sensed it here in the last six weeks how passionate this fan base is. What what have you at least been a little bit able to sort of tap into. Well, everything that you said is the reason I took the
0: job and that's it's real. Every every place um, that you recruit to has its selling point. Uh Twin Cities for us was, you know, a major metropolitan area, you had a lot to do, you know, Louisville basketball school, Florida just a great college experience. You come to play in New Mexico because of the pit and because of the fans. That passion is still very, very prevalent. Now you got COVID obviously, but there's not a time where I don't go out and somebody's coming up to me, telling me a story about it. You kind of mentioned it similar to an Indiana fan base um, that cares so much about it. And it is like the pro sports team, you know, I mean, some of the frustrations of being at Minnesota Like the great parts about Minnesota were also frustrating because there was so much to do, so many teams. At New Mexico, I mean, we are the pro team from a basketball standpoint. And I wanted to be a part of that. You know, growing up, Lexington, Kentucky, that crazy fan base. New Mexico's like that. And you can win when you have that. That home court advantage is real. I mean, there are people, especially in in our region now in the Southwest, in my opinion, it's Gonzaga fan base wise, San Diego state has built it in Arizona. And then we're right there kind of in this region of these passionate fan bases. So I think it's very, very important that we recruit kind of this pocket because
1: I think the people around here know all about that. The basketball program is the money driver, not football. That is not the case in a lot of places around the country. You know, if it wasn't for Syracuse being the ACC, With that television revenue, it still would be basketball up there, but they still have to play a high number of home games. That is the case at New Mexico, where I think things changed over the last, you know, name a coach of the last four that have come through. And I think you're going to be like this, but you tell me, you got to get out and get the brand elsewhere and play people. For years, I thought it was a fair criticism in New Mexico that they were not playing people either on a one-way or trying to get... Into other tournaments because they had to play 1920 home games. Where are you on the schedule to get this brand name out and about? It's a great question. I think
0: uh I I don't want to sound bad about the last team, but we did win six games, right? And two of them were division two teams. So we've got to build the schedule, kind of as the program builds, certainly. But I do know this: getting the revenue from the pit is very important for everybody. And so Coming out of COVID, every program needs to be creative to get their fans back, to feeling comfortable to get back in that building again. So we absolutely want to play a tough schedule, an attractive schedule for our fans, but also keeping in mind that we got to rebuild this thing. You know, and I think the transfer portal kind of gets people excited, like, "Oh, you flipped it! It's it's you guys are back!" And it's like, you know, we got to build a whole new culture. Um, we've got to make sure that. We build this thing uh, the right way with our fans making this place crazy again. It was not long ago that Steve Alford had this as one of the toughest places to play in the country. I mean, that it, it, it was seven, eight years ago. It's been done recently.
1: Well, and, and, and to your point earlier about the Mount West, look, Utah State and San Diego State were not regular powers. Neither was Boise. And yet those programs now in the last few years, certainly longer for San Diego State, you know, have become traditional powers in the Mountain West Conference. So New Mexico has a deeper history than all of them, and it certainly can come back up. All right, the roster. You got Mashburn, obviously. You got House. You've been able to mine the transfer portal. What are your thoughts on what you've got right now? Because I think you were one of my winners of the week a week ago in terms of getting players on this roster. I think we did a great job of adding some really good pieces. I mean, you know,
0: Tarantata at TCU is a really good one. I mean, obviously I know Mashburn and I think you saw you were there. I mean, he was coming along because of our injuries. I had to play him uh, a lot more and I always believed in him, but you know, maybe sophomore year, junior year, senior year, but because Kausher was out, he got thrown into the fire. I thought he handled it pretty well. Jalen house is another one. I I look at those guys like Peyton Siva, Russ Smith type players where there are two guards that could play together. I like the guys that we, we have returning as well, Jeremiah Francis. A lot of those guys are really good players. It'll be interesting to see how it all you know works together. Now, Jethro Muskegon was a guy, Jethro, I recruited hard at Minnesota and was devastated when he went to Kansas. I just haven't seen him in a year. Now, he tells me he's been working. I believe him, uh, but we'll see. So uh, I thought our staff did a terrific job, but I also think, you know, when you're taking as many new guys, it's going to take some time. But New Mexico needs to be good in the Mountain West, just like UNLV is another program that's been traditionally great that's down a little bit. I know Coach Kruger will get that going too, but I'm excited about what we've done. I mean, I think the pieces are all great, but there's so many unknowns and we'll know more come June, but I
1: feel like we did a great job of recruiting. So you were willing to play Minnesota, Louisville, and Puerto Rico. I was there for that. Are you willing to do an Iona New Mexico matchup with your dad? I am. No, I see, there's a couple of things about it.
0: I want to have full capacity. We don't have the green light in COVID. You know what I mean? Not yet. Yeah, we're not there yet. I want Iona to come here, and I want him to experience 100% capacity of the pit. So I just don't know. Like, I know he'd be willing to do it. Um, you know, obviously, we played. You were there on the Coast Guard base. That was fun. But I want him. I want him, I want my family to see why I took this job. So I think we got to add one more series, but I, I don't want to do it if it's half capacity, if that makes any sense. So I'm kind of being patient on that last one.
1: All right. So those that follow you on social media, great dad, husband, you know, give us sometimes play by play, of the WWE brawls within the house, but there was a lot of inside time because you were in Minnesota. Give me a quick anecdote before we out of here about the brutal winters, something that you experienced with the fam what do you remember in those eight years? You know, I loved Minnesota. I'm not bitter at all.
0: I mean, I was treated great for eight years. I had two children born there. Exactly what you said. What was surprising was it's not as much snow. I remember the first time it snowed because I'm from New England and it snows and then it melts. And then it snowed eight years ago and the snow is still there. It has not melted. It's not like Syracuse where it just, there's a lot of snow, it just stays. I remember seeing my kids because, you know, you're right. I mean, like, I want to be a great coach. I want to be a great person. I want to be a great husband and a great father. I really don't care about anything else in, in this world. But I used to see my children walk to the bus stop and every day, backpack, snow gear, boots, hat, gloves. And I used to tell my wife, Jill, I'm like, they don't realize that this is not normal. <laughs> um, so it's great now. Our, uh, the new school in, in New Mexico They have, like, you can eat lunch outside, so that's going to be great for our kids because uh, two kids born there, what a polar opposite experience, Um, but I tell you what, I've been here for about two and a half months. The weather is phenomenal in New Mexico. I did not realize it would be this good. Like, I thought it'd be like Vegas and Phoenix. Like, no, it drops down pretty good at night, Uh, so I know
1: my kids are going to be fired up for that experience. Yeah, it's hard to even build a snowman because you can't be outside you know, too long, you're going to get frostbite. I mean, that's the, you know, oh, you're in the winter wonderland and all that. No, it, it that's, and again, I'm not trying to crap
0: on Minnesota. I love Minnesota, but it's too cold to play out in the snow. <laughs> I mean, it's like, you go out there and it's, uh, I had my 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 nieces uh, visited me a couple of years ago from Fort Lauderdale and they were all, we want to see the snow. And I kept telling my wife, like, this is not going to be good for them. And of course they were outside for about 10 seconds, came back in. But it is a great, Minnesota is a great place, but I am looking forward to thawing out a little bit here down in New Mexico.
1: Well, it's going to be great to watch what you do with the Lobo program. Obviously, I'm a little biased and I got my start there in the early 90s, so we'd love to see the pit rocking and rolling again.
0: It's a special place. You can feel it. They love basketball. The community is a really cool community, and we'll get it going. I mean, I'm grateful for this opportunity, and, and you can tell they need it badly, and uh, I'm fired up to be a part of it.
1: All right, that'll wrap up this edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz. Big shout-out to Abby Stoltz, Chad Aycock, Michael Kaplan, our entire team at NCAA.com, and Bleacher Report. Appreciate all of you, all the engagement. I think the fan bases will really enjoy this show from New Mexico, Minnesota maybe, Utah State maybe, Utah for sure, and Oral Roberts, uh, which I think college basketball fans certainly loved watching Acemas and O'Banner this past season. Hey, keep getting vaccinated, everyone. I'm going to keep on my uh, soapbox on that one. We're hearing more and more. Everyone's going to go all open in the fall. Football stadiums, basketball arenas. It's all coming back. Things are going well. Stay safe, though. We'll talk again next week.